Hey, everybody. There are three things that we want to tell you about our Zen Parenting Summit. Count them up. Three. Number one, it is free. Free. There's got to be a catch somewhere. It is free. You guys, the last couple of years have been rough, to say the least. And so this summit is a gift to you so you can get the inspiration, the connection, whatever you're looking for right now to feel better about yourself and your parenting. Number two, Todd. Number two. Let's hear it. I have a book coming out. Yes, you do. It's coming out in February. I read it. But within this summit, you and I are going to be talking about this book. We're going to be going over chapters, or should I say chakras, Chakras. inside of the book. And so if you get the book, you not only get extra bonus summit content from us, but you also get entered into a giveaway. Which means you might get a karaoke machine that I use on a weekly basis. He literally does. Okay. Number three. Number three. Please share it. Share. What I mean is the Zen Parenting Summit is free. Did I say that already? And you can share it with anybody who wants support with their parenting right now. We have so many amazing speakers for this summit. Todd, who do we have? Dr. Shafali Sabari, Rosalind Wiseman, Ted Bunch from A Call to Men, Dr. John Duffy, um, and many, many more. Many more. You have got to go to our website, zenparentingradio.com slash resources, and you will see everything there. You will see our podcast. You will see my book. You will see the Zen Parenting Summit. You will see Men Living, which is Todd's organization that he co-founded. You will see um, the ability to um, sign up for my Zen Parenting Moment. Everything is there. So please... Take advantage of this opportunity to learn from so many amazing speakers and to share this opportunity with others. The summit begins on January 31st. And it ends on the 4th of February, but you have the opportunity to listen to everything throughout that month. And so it will be available to you through the 28th of February. All right, sign up. And now here's the show. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 631. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we have one of our, I was going to say old friends, but maybe that would land poorly. Friend from many years, um, Anne-Marie Tereso. Did I pronounce your... I've always hacked up your last name because I like to throw a C in there that doesn't exist. Tereso. It's Tereso, and Tereso is just fine. It's actually Cerazzo. Cerazzo. It's almost but easier do to say it with the Italian yeah. accent than it is in English. Let's, let's be Italian yeah. today. I'm Italian. <laughs> Todd, you're not, though. So. Um, speaking... Before I even introduce Anne-Marie, speaking of Italian... Our, our kids uh, learned French and Italian in, no, not French, Italian and... And Italian. Yeah, no, French and Italian, right? Yeah, they did French for a little bit. And I wanted them to learn Spanish because I think it's more practical and blah, blah, blah. And they've gone through the years and now one and maybe two of them are having reservations about pursuing anything other than Spanish. So the bottom line is I'm right and they're wrong. The way you just told that story is so not, that's so through your lens. (laughs) 
This is the way. <laughs> well, isn't it always? It is. This, of course, you're right. This, the way this story is, is all three of our girls take Italian. Yeah. They have mentioned that they think it's interesting that in now that they have jobs and that they're out in the world more, you know, because my, you know, we have a 18 year old, a 17 year old, and a 14 year old, that they're like, wow, Spanish would have been helpful. In uh-huh. my workplace and in other places, but all three of them still take Italian and really enjoy it. So it's not as if they d- don't want to take Italian. It's that they've recognized why language is is I, helpful. I, I just want to be right. That's all <laughs> I, I want. But they identify with being Italian, yeah. even though they're like a smaller, you know, it kind of trickles down. But anyway. Um, we have so, the opposite going on over here. Oh, really? My, my kids are like... Don't claim you're Italian. You don't get to claim that. You're like, <laughs> so it's it's like a big farce. Yes. They make fun of me all I the know. time. I know. Too many generations where it just doesn't even make sense. Um, yep. We have had Anne-Marie on the show before. I think what we talked about, Anne-Marie, is you introduced me to um, the 15 Commitments to Conscious Leadership. You introduced it to Kathy. Kathy went to a seminar conference that yeah uh, it was a, a it was a workshop a long time ago Anne Marie it was the it was Shafali and Jim Detmer and you were Conscious there Parenting Con- Summit yeah Conscious Parenting Summit yeah um so there's so many different w- directions we can go with Anne Marie she's been a friend for a long time and uh, she has uh, a lot of different things so just to kind of let you in she is the founder of Bring It Home and they offer programs to increase well-being and promote conscious leadership in our homes and schools so that's what she does but she can she's kind of like us we can kind of go in any number of different directions yeah i really have liked your uh, newsletter Anne Marie, I read it every time I get it. So, and I really like it. I think it's good. So, Anne Marie does this thing, which I think a lot of people do with their newsletters, where you can read part of it and then you have to click read more. And your paragraph right before read more is you have to click it because you'll be like, and then. And I'm like, oh, so it's like a really good, yeah, like it, not only do I want to read it and I find, you know, your insight to be very um, helpful, um, very um, just in tune with what I'm looking for anyway, but I always am like, oh, this is good. She, she, she got me. I clicked. I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Yeah, let's hear it. So I've been um, trying to grow my audience and, you know, just get out there. Yeah, get out there. Yeah. Since the summit, right, 2015, and I haven't really understood all the best ways to do that. So um, I recently learned, like, you have to be consistent in providing content mm-hmm. in your newsletter is the best way to do that. And so I'm like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit because I would be on again, off again, on again, off again. So this July, I made a commitment to my audience that I am showing up every week in my inbox. Mm. And um well, it's effective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so it's sort of like dating. Mm-hmm. Like if you reliably show up in relationship, or it's like it's like parenting. It's mm-hmm. like everything. If you reliably show up, people pay attention and people trust you. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for reading, Kathy, because oh, I'm glad course. someone's reading. I am reading it and <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying it. it. And as, as a matter of fact, go ahead, sweetie. I, well, just I, I wanted to say, so, sorry, we're like doing business here on this podcast, but I think people might be interested. So Anne-Marie, I, about a year ago, I started writing these things called Zen Parenting Moments. And so it's it's kind of, it's not really a newsletter as much as it is just me getting yes. this opportunity to write and share. And, and I always, you know, like the summit we're doing, I always share that or my book. But what I have found interesting is that, you know, it, 
what's changed is that there were a lot of people that when you send out a newsletter, they can unsubscribe, right? Because they're, they're not interested in getting that or whatever, or not right now. And so, but the, the subscriptions that have gone away, other people have come in. And so it's like, seems to be the same number of people, but the engagement is so much higher. So it's like before the engagement was like probably a lot of people who had joined and didn't even know, you know what I mean? They maybe went to one of our conferences or whatever, but I'm finding over time and you're probably, this may be what you're talking about is like the difference. It's not so much about, you got to grow all these numbers. It's the difference in the engagement of the people. Yeah. And it like, I love it when people unsubscribe, like I regularly like, please unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. If, if you don't want this, absolutely. Yeah. And it gives me feedback like, oh, I know that we're having a two way conversation because I don't want to offer something to someone that's not valuable to them. Totally. You know, I just if it's not valuable. Great. And um, so I've gotten a new relationship with my unsubscribers. <laughs> I like that. I like that mentality a lot. So I have a few different ideas of where I want to go with Anne-Marie today. Um, speaking of newsletter, is you wrote a newsletter about um, college application uh, process <laughs> and your c- daughter's computer melted down. But I don't want to start there. And then right before we press record... We talked about the phrase, I'm proud of you, when a parent says that to a child. And we might go there, but I I thought, like, how can we use Anne-Marie's time to benefit our listeners? And Anne-Marie is married to a friend of mine named Kim Redding, who I know sort of well. And Kim did, I want to, it, it appeared to be like a TED Talk, but it wasn't. It was at the Bodhi Institute, and he talked about his love addiction and experiences when, with infidelity. And that's not something that we have um, spoken about on the show yeah. explicitly on the show. We've done 630 of these things and we haven't talked about infidelity and you are married to Kim and Kim has um, shared with you all these things. And I actually want to play a little c- clip that I found this morning. I've, I've watched that a few times, but I want to play a little clip. Are you okay with that, Anne-Marie? Sure. Okay, because if you're not, everybody's going to say, how come Anne-Marie's not okay with it? Um, so this is Kim being interviewed by uh, Lola Wright, who used to run the Bodhi Institute. And this is just like 30 seconds from his experience uh, with Anne-Marie. And I thought my life would end that day. Anne-Marie and I were just in a relationship, and we had a quiet weekend together with no kids. We woke up. And there was a text on my phone from my ex-wife. And she looked at it and she said, what's going on? I had been acting out and cheating on Anne-Marie with my ex-wife. And she looked at the text and said, what's going on? And I, normally I would have lied about it. The old me would have lied about it. And for some reason, I needed to end my life was unmanageable, it was out of control, and I told her the truth. And she walked out the door. She's here today. Thank you, honey, for leaving me. (laughs) (laughs) And more importantly, for coming back. (laughs) I want to put that last part in there, too. (laughs) So we're jumping in the middle, and I don't know if there's a great way to frame this topic, but I just want to pause and just invite you, Anne-Marie, to talk about you or Kim or your relationship, and then any listener who may have think that their partner is cheating on them or has cheated on them, I think that that might be valuable. So I just want to let you in on the conversation and see what it is that you have to share with us. 
I'm going to take a deep breath after that. Thanks. Um, you sort of surprised me with that. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. And um, sort of picking up on the earlier conversation we we're having about newsletter and open rates and engagement, I wrote in um, my newsletter about maybe a month, a month and a half ago, about how my ex-husband's affair really set me on a course of my own spiritual awakening and how grateful I was. So that was around, it must've been around Thanksgiving and grat when I was thinking about gratitude. And um, boy, that got a high open rate, by the way, guys, mm. <laughs> you know? And so the first thing that I think comes to mind, it took me a long time to write that post and become public about my ex, right? My, my very first marriage. And I, I came to realize that um, my kids were young. My kids are now grown. My youngest is 17. And um, I didn't want to talk about my ex and, and what happened in our, in our you know, marriage and, and, and you know, divorce publicly until I had conversations with my kids. Because, you know, and I wanted them to be old enough such that they didn't relate to it as if he was the problem and he's the bad guy, because I felt very much that way. You know, I was six weeks pregnant with my now 17-year-old daughter when I found out my ex-husband was having an affair. And, um, you know, it was kind of a mess. You know, <laughs> And he ended up moving out the month she was born. And I spent the next seven years really kind of in a state of shock and fear and creating a giant mess of my life, of his life. You know, and he co-created mess too. And like we, we created a big mess and I was just, I was, I was just so scared, you know, and I was so attached to this idea of what I thought my life and my family's life was supposed to look like. And I was so unwilling to let go of it that I was blinding myself. And I caused so much drama, co-created, right? It wasn't just me, right? There always has to be multiple people engaged. Um, but I wasn't seen clearly. And it's when I met Diana, you know, so 18 years ago is when I, I met Diana, um, who was my very first mentor um, and teacher. And I just continued to start to unwind. And the more I went unwound and the more I woke up to how this was really here for me and my own awakening, um, the freer I became. And it was, it was truly a gift. It was like, it was such a gift, but I couldn't see it in the moment, right? I just could not see it. I was terrified. I had this newborn baby, mm -hmm. a three and a five-year-old. We went broke. We went bankrupt. <laughs> we lost our home. Like it, 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 it was like story. People keep saying to me, when are you writing the book? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not writing a book about that. But now that I have perspective, I could see more clearly. Well, but it turns out, um, Ooh, and like, I just want to name, like what's in the room right now. Like my hands are a little bit shaky. Mm -hmm. 
my palms feel a little sweaty and I could feel much fluttering in my belly. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I just want to pause for a moment and bring that into the room um, because I feel like there's so much I have to say about my journey, what I've learned. Um, and it's all like wanting to move through me really quickly. And um, and I, I want to speak to the most important thing that I think I've learned over the years, which is just that, mm-hmm. is like bringing myself present in the moment by, you know, it's the self-awareness practice mm-hmm. that you guys talk about all the time. This is the simplest practice that I have learned that has brought me the most wisdom in my life is just to tune into my body. So even just now, as I'm noticing, even just now, like my hands stop shaking mm. because I've presenced that energy, right? And there's so much I want to say and share and talk about. And I want to make sure I'm speaking in a way that others can really, it lands for everyone. Um, So that's a little bit getting in the way of my ability to mm-hmm. fully be present with you all. And I could also name this experience I, I was having. It's not here now, actually as fear or anxiety. Um, and I also can name it as excitement, mm. right? So, cause those are both the same energetic experiences in the body. <sighs> okay. So thanks for letting me, um, get present for a moment. So where should I go from there? Cause you started with the Kim clip. Um, and so I wanted to start with, you know, my journey started in my marriage, uh, my first marriage when, I think that I was so much more interested in this this idea of what it meant to have a perfect family, Mm. what my perfect life was supposed to look like, you know, like the 2.3 kids and the dog and the car and the house and the things. Um, And I was not as interested in what was actually occurring. Mm -hmm. And so my attention was in all the wrong places. And I can see now how my ex-husband and I were on a journey and I wasn't really on the same journey as he was. Mm-hmm. And I was on my own little journey. I was perfectly attuned to myself, but I wasn't necessarily attuned to him. And I had, I had things to learn. I had things to learn uh, um, in so many areas of my life. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I need to pause. Sure. And I feel like you need to ask me a question or say something back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, you know, there, like, I kind of want to jump in the middle too, because this, I think, why I'm relating to what you said about how, you know, you're having all these feelings and all these things want to come up at once is because these stories can't be summarized in like simple sound bites. It's, and it's why I was like, just nodding, like, just take your time with it. Because part of the reason I like these long form discussions is you don't have to have like final answers for this, because as you know, I know, you know, this, I'm speaking to someone who discusses this too, is there is no final answer because it's ongoing. And even when we learn something, it tends to reappear in a different form, in a different way. It tends to be part of our story ongoing. Um, it continues to evolve and open. So I'm saying that because why don't we just like jump into present time and not mm-hmm. not to skip over or to yeah, bypass, yeah. but like in present time, 
you know, like you, you already said, I, you know, I experienced this as part of my evolving and it was such a gift, but like, where, where are you right now with this? Like when you put out this, you know, email about infidelity and like you said, everybody was opening it and reading it. So, you know, that some of that's curiosity, but that you're not alone, you know, that this is a very common story. And is that, are, is that something you coach people in? Is that something that you're, you know, tell us where you are today. Yes. It's the whole reason I do what I do because I want to share, I want other people to experience, I want parents to experience the kind of freedom that I've come to experience after 17 years of work. And I would love for other people to experience that same kind of freedom, maybe even a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe you don't have to, you know, make it be so mucky. Maybe you do, but um, also because of the impact I think it has on our kids Mm -hmm. and how profound. And I'll tell you this, this was impactful to me. So my oldest son is 23. He knew that um, my, his dad was unfaithful for a long, long time. And my 20 year old daughter, I wasn't quite sure if she knew or not. And my 17 year old daughter, I was fairly certain she didn't know. And um, before the blog went out, I sat down and I said, Hey, I just want guys to know this is going to be, like on social media and this is public and I like I it was my greatest spiritual lesson I have no ill will towards your dad this is not your dad's fault Mm -hmm. because it's very easy for someone to point fingers and blame and real quick Um, Amory so um Kim is your current husband we're talking about your first husband who is the biological uh parents to your three children Mm -hmm. yes okay so my first husband and I'm not going to use his name because I don't think it's friendly Mm -hmm. Uh, he didn't ask to be part of this conversation totally so um so in any case, um, I sat down with them all and um, I, I did Ashley last, who's my 17 year old. And she looked at me and she said, so I'm actually not the reason you and dad got divorced. Mm. And I like my heart sank. Mm. So here she has for the past 17 years of her life, somewhere in the back of her mind been holding this story Mm -hmm. that she was somehow to blame. And of course, why wouldn't she? I mean, like she knows the timeline. Um, And my heart, I was just like, and I could immediately feel it was like, you know, the pressure comes out of a balloon or something. And you could feel her just like release a little bit, Mm -hmm. like let go a little bit. And all of a sudden I realized I have been holding back because I'm afraid to be revealing this story. And she so needed to hear it. She needed to be free. So that was a big, big lesson for me um, in that moment. Well, and I'll say real quick, I think as the product of a divorce, my parents fought and then got divorced. We do as kids, or I did, take way more than my share of the responsibility for <laughs> these grown-ups who can't get their own stuff together. And, you know, so I just wanted to kind of add that. In this case, in the case you're talking about or what Todd's talking about or just any aspect of life, if we don't have access to the story, you know, if we are not told the story, we will create a story. Of it's like course. a big vacuum. And I would say, um, you guys may be able to feed me stories where this isn't the case, but the people I work with and the children I work with, it's always a negative story. The vacuum is filled oh, with, you know, it's my fault. Here's what happened. And so that's sometimes when parents really don't want to share. And, and your story is very specific because 
I really do understand why you wanted to wait until they were adults and there were relationships that needed to be foundationally sound. There needed to be, a, you know, your own awareness. So it wasn't a keeping of a story to harm anyone. It was, we need to get to a place where everybody is mature enough. So I totally get that. But in other situations, the not telling of a story, because I don't want to hurt them, can often create, you know, mm. as you were just sharing, like a, that vacuum where they have their own story. Yeah, so Anne-Marie's intention was yeah. pure. Yeah. The and impact was her 17-year-old daughter needed to to experience something that, that, that what was intended. Yeah. And I, I also want to say that... Um, you know, you can tell the story from two places, right? You can tell the story from, you know, love, or you can tell the story from fear. And I wanted to be sure that when I shared that, and I'll be honest, with my 23-year-old son, I'm not quite so sure when he and I discussed it, I was in a place of love. I think there was there was still a part of me tethered to blame. Mm -hmm. And um, I would not say that was super useful to him in his relationship with his dad, or his relationship to himself, mm -hmm. you know, because we see ourselves as fragments of our parents. We are fragments of our parents. So then we have to start, and especially, you know, man to man. Mm -hmm. Now I have to look at like, am I going to be like that? Or am I like that? Or am I like all the stuff? So when, by the time I got to Ashley, I had a couple of chances and I'm fully untethered from any blame, any criticism, any judgment about what had happened back then, I've shifted into seeing it as a complete gift. And so because I was free and, you know, she could also be free. And to be honest, there's still some work to do with my older two where that wasn't necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I also don't want to make that bad or wrong. It's just like I have such trust, the, the greatest gift this experience has given me. And now I'm going to start talking about Kim because mm -hmm. this is this will this I see the thread here. The greatest um, lesson I've learned is how benevolent the universe is and how to trust it all, even the muck. Mm -hmm. So back then when my ex-husband was doing whatever he was doing and I was in a state of resistance to it, I wasn't in a state of trust. I wasn't just trusting what was happening because I didn't like it. And I think the greatest gift we can give one another as parents is even when you don't like it, are you willing to trust it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like when I don't like when my kid is failing, when I don't like when my kid is experimenting with drugs and alcohol, when I don't like when my kid is whatever, quitting school or it, it depends, you know, whatever age you're, you're, you know, I don't like when my kid is acting out. Can I trust that and myself to bring them back home so that they can get whatever lesson, whatever um, teaching they need from that experience? And I think um, the hardest part of parenting is trusting and letting go because we're in such resistance. We have a plan. We want it to go a particular way for them and for us. Mm -hmm. Well, and I want to hear what you have to say about Kim next, but just maybe because Kathy and I just did a podcast about spiritual bypassing. I don't know. It was this year at some mm -hmm. point. And I have a tendency to trust the universe so much that I'm just going to 
skip the sadness and the anger and the fear. Yeah. And maybe we can talk about that afterwards, but I want you to keep yeah, yeah. talking about Kim. Well, so to this trust piece, um, so my ex-husband and I got divorced. I was a single parent. We went broke. There was all the drama, yada, yada. It was like a mess. And um, I really had to get my footings again. And I had a lot of people wanting to like set me up. Right? Mm. Like, we got this great guy for you. And you know he's financially independent. And he can come in and swoop you up and take care of you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm not looking <laughs> to be rescued right now. Mm. And I'm certainly not in a state of mind where that makes any sense for me in my life. And so I was really like staunchly um, committed to getting back on my feet and not getting into relationship with anyone until I was fixed, you know, until I was perfectly solid again. Well, you know, jokes on me. Cause we, we all know that doesn't, there, there is right. no end point. Right. Um, and Kim and I had been longtime friends along with his um, wife. They'd been neighbors and he and I were very connect, connected um, we had lunch often, we did yoga together, we found each other, you know, having lunches and dinners together, and we shared a lot in common. We, we like to have these spiritual conversations, like we had a lot of common denominators that pulled us together. Um, and he was married and his kids, like his nanny, their niece was the nanny to my son and his son, my, our two mm. kids grew up together. So lots and lots of ties. And um, I become divorced. I get evicted out of one of my homes. And our yoga teacher is living in a house that he and his ex-wife own, which is down the street from the house that my ex-husband and I lived in. So, you know, so the universe has a plan, right? <laughs> there's like, there's all these pieces in place. It's like a giant 10 million piece puzzle and you're going to get it all put together eventually. So somehow the universe aligned me such that my friend and our yoga teacher was moving out and that made space for me to move in. Um, Kim and his ex-wife were generous enough to let me and my kids live there while we were getting back on our feet. I finally get a job. I, um, I go to my job. And I'm in Connecticut for training and I'm meditating and I say, okay, universe, I am ready. Send me my soulmate. I'm getting my feet on the ground. It's been five years. I've been divorced, yada, yada. I'm ready and finish that meditation. And I call this friend of mine who's been trying to set me up with someone for, for some time. And I said, I'm ready. You can set me up now. And so she said, okay. And I was out of town for a week. So the next morning I wake up to a text on my phone. It's from Kim Redding. Mm -hmm. And he said, aren't you in Connecticut? I'm in New York. Do you want to have dinner tonight? And my whole body began to vibrate, mm. like vibrate, like, like almost levitate. And unconsciously and without thinking about it, I just text, yes. Now I'm in Connecticut. First day on my new job after five years of unemployment, after the 2008 crisis, hard to get a job. And I'm supposed to have dinner with my boss that night. So I say, yes. And I, and I could hear this part of me going, what are you doing? You, you can't go to New York and have dinner tonight. You, 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 you're just starting this new job. And I don't know. I went to this new job. I'm training all day. And then I found myself on the train to New York. Like all 
it's all just sort of happening around me. Um, and we go to dinner that night and we're having this conversation now. Gosh, I didn't realize that I can say all this to you guys. So here we go. Um, we're having this conversation that night and I was still, you know, Kim was, was very much along my divorce journey with me. He had given me lots of advice. He had been divorced. Um, he was someone, he was one of someone I considered one of my best friends and someone I deeply trusted, um, emotionally, spiritually, um, practically. So I really leaned into him a lot, um, as sort of like, I don't want to say as a brother, but just like as a trusted, I don't know, man, I guess, Mm -hmm. man. So we're having this dinner and, um, we sit down and he, it's at the end of the dinner. And he says, so where do you see yourself in five years? And I close my eyes and I sort of go in and then I'm, I'm in there. And all of a sudden I see a vision of Kim and I together holding hands on this like green pasture on these Adirondack chairs. And I'm inside my head going, oh my God, what does that mean? And I start freaking out. And then I start crying. So we're at this Mm. restaurant in New York. I'm crying because I'm freaking out because I'm seeing this thing that doesn't make sense in my brain to me. And he, of course, leans across the table, puts his hand on my hand and says, yeah, you know, it's been a hard time for you, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I open my eyes and he's like, well, where do you see yourself? And I go, I just see myself as happily involved with another, like I just kind of fumbled around because I wasn't about to tell him what I saw. And, um, you know, we left that dinner and we knew, like he knew and I knew like this is, there's something here. Mm -hmm. And he was married. And the next day we, I was supposed to fly home and he was supposed to fly home and be at a party at his house. Um, so we were like in this moment, like, okay, uh uh-oh, there's something, there's, there's something undeniable here Mm -hmm. that I was unaware of. And the universe has sort of put us in this situation to figure it out. And we don't know what to do with it. And I didn't know that he was a sex and love addict, Mm. right? So he was in his addiction Mm -hmm. and I was playing into that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so the universe was just giving me yet another opportunity to learn. And I couldn't see clearly. Mm -hmm. So I jumped right into a relationship with him while he was, was still married Mm -hmm. and created yet another little mess for myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and like, that's what I was, you know, the, the whole unwinding thing, like, you know, I always say this on the show, but I got it from Oprah, you know, the same thing shows up in different pants. Right. And there is like, you know, you and I both know that there's feelings with things like where it's like, this feels comfortable. This feels right. This feels, there's something familiar about this. And then we call it whatever, you know, safety, or we call it love, or we, and, and and not to say that those things aren't true. This isn't a absolute thing where it's like a binary of right or wrong. It's just, there's this familiarity that we get really attached to. And I'm assuming that was, there was probably many pieces. I don't want to summarize this too simply, but was, was, did it just feel, did it feel like something that was familiar to you? Um, 
it's funny you ask that because yeah. we just talked about this last week. Yeah. Or a couple of days ago, actually. And we said, you know, we we have broken each other open in so many profound ways and really woken each other up. And to me, relationships are all about, um, they're not, we're not necessarily meant to be with one person mm -hmm. for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's, and, and it's, it's beautiful when that happens. Like when I hear stories about couples, like you guys have this incredible relationship that I love and admire and, and appreciate. And I think it's something we all long for. Mm. And it's, 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 it doesn't happen for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I ultimately think as human beings, we're here to bring each other back home again, mm -hmm. over and over again. And my ex-husband and I were on a journey for a particular period of time. We brought each other, we met each other where we were, and then there, we, we had to go different ways. Mm -hmm. And we, and if, if I stayed in that marriage, I would have shrunk. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have continued to evolve. And that's a choice. And that's fine. That's a fine choice. But it wasn't a choice that I could have made for me and stayed true to myself. Mm -hmm. And so what Kim and I realized is like the universe was pushing us together because we were perfectly aligned to help each other unwind mm -hmm. and bring ourselves back home to our true selves. And we spent many years fumbling around trying to figure it out and looking at this partner and looking at this partner. And none of those partners were really the right ones to wake us up. Mm -hmm. And then we found each other in a really messy way. But I think for us both, it had to be messy because I was... Um, I couldn't see him. Kim, Kim, well, I, so this is the other thing I forgot to tell you guys in that meditation, the night I got the job, I wrote like my list. Okay. These are the qualities of my partner. And it was like this giant loose leaf size piece of paper and all the qualities, like little things like he's going to have, you know, brown hair and he's going to like these pasta or whatever, mm. all the way down to like, he's going to be interested in spirituality and, you know, all the things. And one of the things on my list was he's going to be a particular age. Mm. because I was um, in my mid forties at the time and really hard to meet people. And everyone I was being introduced to was much older than I was. And I was like, yeah, I don't see myself with someone who's like 10 years older than me. Well, fast forward, Kim's 14 years mm -hmm. older than me. So there were all these barriers. Like I would, you know, also I saw him as a really good friend, not as a romantic partner. There were all these barriers in the way of me being able to see him as a romantic partner or as a, a significant relationship. And the universe was just like slamming through, like we're going to just slam through all that. And we're going to just mush you guys together and make sure that um, nothing gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And then sure. Lots of things got in the way, you know, cause he had his addiction to deal with. I had my addictions to deal with. So my addictions to my own unworthiness, my addictions to my fears, mm -hmm. Um, my addictions to um, being able to like, can I can continue to raise three kids alone by myself? This is hard. So all that stuff, all my attachments um, were, were, were there too. And I had to unwind all that mm -hmm. to get into right relationship with myself first so that we can be in right relationship. Mm -hmm. And he just happened to be the right 
guide, the right partner to, and it was messy, (laughs) just messy Mm -hmm. for years. I mean, up until like this past year, the pandemic really shifted things for us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because you know, people can really look at the outside, you know, of a structure of like what you were saying, like all the experiences you've had and marriage, divorce, um, you know, partnership dating, or look at Todd and I and be like, oh, but you've been married all this time. And so this is one way and this is another way. But the thing that I, I really like to share on the show a lot is when people are very simplistic in, in saying like, you're just lucky because you found Todd or, you know, that's women who say that to me. You're just lucky because he is who he is. And you, that's why this worked and this didn't. And, and I think in the thing, the, the common thing that we share that I think all of us share is the work part. And I don't love that word because it gets, it becomes this thing where people associate it with, oh, you fight all the time. And, and, you know, I'm always very careful with the words I choose so everybody can kind of feel it. But Todd and I have to converse about difficult things all the time. I have to bring up things all the time. He has to bring up things all the time and not because we're difficult people and not because things are right or wrong, but because that's how human beings can live together is that if we don't discuss difficult things, if things don't get messy, sometimes if things aren't uncomfortable, then we are living inside of a story that is unreal. And Mm -hmm. so that is kind of the piece that I think that we all kind of, the common thread that we all share is just because a structure looks a certain way doesn't mean that that means it's easy and simple and that's what I'm going for. So I don't Um, know, go ahead. Yeah, a few things. One is... um we got married when I was 29. You just turned yeah, 30. Does that 30. sound right? Mm-hmm. And the universe did bring us together in a way. And I, the part of me feels like very, very lucky because either one of us could, you know, when you, it's funny. Whenever I think of marriage, I think marriage is sometimes people just get married, whoever they happen to be dating yeah. with, with when it's time to get married. Yeah. yeah. That we know a lot of people that, that. and we have plenty yeah. of friends who have gotten divorced. And, and I think you're right. And Marie, I remember like, you know, when I look at my, some of my spiritual teachers, like Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins and all these people, they're all divorced. I'm like, how good are you at relationship if you keep getting divorced multiple times? Um, but Kathy's right. There is a, I don't know what the right word is either. There is a work component to it and, and a, a, a willingness, a willingness, mm-hmm. willingness to look inward, which mm-hmm. is what Anne-Marie has mm-hmm. been talking about for the last 45 minutes is like always looking inward Mm -hmm. when you are either pursuing conflict or avoiding conflict. And I'm, I'm trying to get better at knowing that really solid couples have conflict and they can deal with it in a really mature way. And then when it's not mature, then you can create the space for your partner. Like, Oh, my partner is really unconscious right now, or I'm really unconscious right now. So those are just a few random thoughts about it. And, and b- before I hear whatever it is that you have to say, Marie, I also find it interesting is your first husband cheated on you. And now here you are being the same person that you probably resented in the first marriage. So I think it's really oh interesting. There's three threads I want to pull on there, Todd. Um, but let's start with that one, because mm-hmm. that one um, caused me the most pain. Mm-hmm. Because now suddenly I'm becoming this person that a I would never in a million years imagine myself to be. Um, I am now the other woman. Mm. Um, so I had 
incredible amounts of guilt and shame. And then yet there was this undeniable attraction. And I don't mean a physical attraction. It was like there was this magnetic um, connection that he and I had during that period of time once I opened myself up to it. And it, 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 it was undeniable. Like you, like you couldn't deny it. It was like I couldn't not do it. And we tried so many times to stay away from each other or would dis- we would disconnect. And it would, after a few months, it would last and then it wouldn't. And the part that I wish I had done differently, although I don't ever argue with the past, but the part that if I could go back and do it differently, I would say, you know that this is here let go now until he's fully ready. He wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. He had to unwind his own piece, but I was afraid unconsciously. I wasn't aware on the surface that I was, I was afraid if I let go that he'd never come back. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So I was super attached. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's one of the other big lessons I'm learning um, is I, like all day long, I look for my attachments. What am I attached to in this now moment? What am I attached to? And am I willing to let go of it? And if I'm not, that's fine. But even like this weekend, we, we went to go get a Christmas tree and it turns out apparently there's a shortage of Christmas trees. Yeah. Yeah. So I was unaware and um, we went to the first lot, no tree. You know, I have this vision, like my nephew's here and Robert's home and Ashley's home and Kim's home. We're going to get a Christmas tree. It's going to be fun. It's going to be jolly. (laughs) No one really wants to do it, but, you know, I'm like putting jingle bells on in the car. We're all stuffed in the car. We've got the dog. I'm like, this is going to be a perfect. And we finally get to Home Depot. It's a disaster in Home Depot and the lines are really long and the trees are three feet tall. And I'm like, this, this is not my vision. And everyone's on their phone, you know, on Instagram. And I'm like, this is not my vision. And so... Kim and I go into Home Depot. I'm like, let's just go get some lights and then we'll drive to this other tree lot, our third, our fourth now tree lot. We go into Home Depot. There's not a single tree light available. Oh, geez. So I look at him and I go, what are we going to do? We're not going to have a Christmas tree or tree lights? Like now if we get a tree, we don't have any lights. And I don't want to spend the next five hours looking for lights. I like, I want to go home. So we pick up this fake tree now. I've never had a fake tree in my life and it's, we don't have time. We could do a whole nother podcast on the fake tree story of my family. (laughs) So I send a text in the group chat and I send a picture of the fake tree, which is pre-lit, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I say, we're going to get this fake tree. My son's like, great, that's fast and easy. Let's get it done. My daughters are like, that's horrible for the environment. Do you understand? And, you know, so now all this arguing is happening. So all my Christmas dream, right? I was so attached to the way I wanted this day to look, the kind of tree I wanted, the experience we wanted. It wasn't happening. So we load up the tree, we get home, and my daughters are kicking and screaming. I'm not putting ornaments on that tree. I'm not going to, I'm not even sitting in the room with the tree. And my son's like, what's your problem? All the arguing. And I'm just sitting there. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to breathe. And what was true for me is I wanted a real tree. Mm -hmm. So once I moved through all my stuff, you know, and got like, I am unattached to the way this is supposed to turn out. The fake tree will be just fine. And if I find a real tree, that's great. I ended up finding a real tree. Fast forward to my lesson, which is like, I have to look for my attachment here. I am attached to a particular experience with my family right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to shove it down their throats and no one is actually available for Mm -hmm. it. And bliss for them is 
for my son to not be a part of this whole tree mm-hmm. fiasco, for my daughters to have a real tree and for me to have a real tree. Mm-hmm. And so the minute I let go of all my attachments and I just got with, all right, I, you know, texted a friend like, where can I get a real tree? She's like, right over here. Fantastic. Within two hours, we had the tree set up. We were good. But it's this attachment to the way things are supposed to be. And I was attached at this point now, when Kim and I were in this nebulous period, I was unwilling to let go. Mm. And if I, if I were willing to let go back then and trusted that if he and I were meant to be, we would find our way to back to each other. It like we would. And I finally ended up getting to that point. Oh, sorry. I finally ended up getting to that point, Todd, to the clip when you know, he, that was not the first time that had happened Mm. in our relationship. And I finally got to the point with, and we were building a house together at that Mm. point when I walked out and we had told the kids were moving in together and we were in full on relationship and I'm sitting in the house we were building at the time. And, um, I was, there was a lot of things I was attached to. I was attached to this new life we were creating. I was attached to not disappointing my kids yet again. I was attached to the fabric we picked out on the new sofa, like all these different layers. And um, I saw that text and I looked at him and I knew like, I, this isn't on him. This is as much on me for my, my fear, my unwillingness to trust and let go earlier, like knowing he is not ready. This is not the right time, hmm. right? This is not the right time, but I was so scared. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to let go of whatever this was that I was feeling that um, I blindly kept going forward. And, you know, we, we got all our lessons, so mm-hmm. we're here now, but I do wonder how much less messy it could have been. Was it easy or hard in that moment to walk out of the house? Oh my God. It was so hard. It was two days before my birthday. Hmm. Um, I shook all the way home. Um, I was scared to death again. It was harder. I think that time um, because we were public now in our relationship. Mm -hmm. So everyone knew about it and so there was like embarrassment and like, so first I do this thing that isn't even aligned with who I truly am. And then I own it to everyone. And he and I go public with our relationship. And now I have to go back and tell everyone it's not working out. So that was just shameful, embarrassing, scary. I'm like, Oh my God, now I have to unravel my life again. And just all the things. Mm. And, um, but I was committed to it because the vision I had for what I really wanted in relationship with, with my future relationship was not what was occurring in the moment. Well, and this is like the, so something that I love to study, Anne-Marie, is I love to study people who have been in either abusive relationships or in cults or in cult-like experiences, and somehow they extract themselves from those experiences. I like to study the behavior of that moment when they leave, and especially people who are raised in a cult, and they somehow know to leave, and how, and I'm, I'm most interested in that because I somehow relate to that in a 
experiences I've had in life. Yeah. Where like I have known even like, I I don't want to, I don't want to make this sound like I'm trying to create some really, um, on point parallel here, but even like with Todd and I, we have a really messy beginning and I had to be like, goodbye, you know, a few times and it didn't break his heart the way it did mine. He wasn't in the same place I was, but just that decision to not keep doing certain things. And and why do we, what is that moment where we go, this hurts more, you know, there's a lot of quotes, you know, you know, we, this hurts more to do this than it does to continue on, you know, and and there, but when does that happen and why? And it's these stories. I'm going to go back to these things that you were saying about these attachments and these stories. We're trying to hold so tight to something we've envisioned, something we think we're supposed to be doing, something our family told us to do, something we're trying to be in the world. It all comes down to worthiness and do I belong? Like there's all these like really basic things where when we really, you know, get down there, what we realize is that belonging is such an individual experience and it has nothing to do with the Christmas tree and the, um, the person in front of us, even if we love them. And it's so to the ground. I mean, it's like your face is in the dirt. It's like you're, mm-hmm. I don't know how to even explain it where you get to this really flattened place where you're like, wow, all I have is myself, the truth, you know, and that if I'm not feeling good about the choices I'm making, there's no way to do any of these stories Mm -hmm. or not authentically. And I think some people figure that out when they're 10, some people when they're 20, some people in their 50, some people never do, you know, or they not in this lifetime. However, we want to experience that. Um, But I think that because some people who are listening to your story right now would say, how did you do that? And you know, like, how did you know to leave with all of those things? You know, some people can't leave just because of the pattern that they're excited about. And you had all those other pieces and that shaking, you know, I'm just like kind of going into that space with you probably a little too much. <laughs> I tend to do, you know, like I'm feeling it <laughs> is that I have to choose. It, it sounds so cliche. Help me with language. I have to choose myself. Uh, what it, What is the language yeah. you use? What is? Well, what, what for me? So first of all, I, I just want to name that I had support. Okay. You know, so Kim, when Kim and I got into a relationship, he, we didn't know this about each other. We known each other for 20 years. We did not know he was working with Jim Dethmer at the time mm. and not at the time he had worked with Jim Dethmer in the past. Um, and I'd been working with Diana Chapman for many years now. And, um, and then I, when we decided to full on get in relationship, I said, I am not doing this without support because we have a messy, we have a mess going on Mm -hmm. right now and we can't do this without support because I don't really know what I'm doing here, by Mm -hmm. the way. All I know is my heart tells me one thing. The culture's telling me another, like my, my ego's telling me a whole nother story. So someone needs to help get all those pieces aligned. And so we had support. Um, So I think that's really important to say, because Mm -hmm. I think in parenting, I think we often feel like we have to figure it out on our own and we don't like to talk about the, the uncomfortable moments, the discomfort in our families, in our lives. Um, so support, get support. The other thing for me, Kathy was I used my kids. Mm. So for me, it was like the reason I was able to leave my first marriage, which was incredible, it was, it was incredibly hard for me because I grew up in a family, you don't do that. You don't get divorced. You just, you don't. 
And here I am pregnant with my third child. And my parents are like, are you, are you out of your mind? What are you doing? My dad's like, can't you just forgive him? And I'm like, who's what? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it, and it's just fair to say that, um, well, I'm going off on too many tantrums. So what I kept hanging on to is like, what role model do I want to be for my daughters and my son? Mm-hmm. That's what I kept hanging on to. And so in that moment, the first time was like, this is not, this is not what I want my son to see as a role model. These, this is not the woman I want to be for my daughters to see as a role model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want my kids to see like true, authentic love. Mm. And if I don't want to raise them in a home where they can't witness that, because I know they're going to use that as little gingerbread crumbs for their life. Mm-hmm. So divorce is icky. It's messy. It's unfun. I highly recommend it for the people it's right for, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and it's messy on the other side, but it's so messy to be in a family system where the two, the leaders of the team are not aligned are not in alignment are not happy Mm -hmm. are not on the same team are not growing together. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's far messier than getting divorced. And my kids will tell you that today, as much as they, they still to this day hate being in a divorced family, hate it mm-hmm. as, as do I, and they're grateful. I did it. Mm-hmm. They're grateful. Mm-hmm. So there's that this time with Kim, when I left, it was the same sort of thing. It was like, Oh, here I go again. What do I want to model? Who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. And even though it was terrifying and I didn't like all the things that were going to come with the choice I was making, I had to see beyond that. My vision for what was better had to be greater than the fear I was holding on to, which is always the truth. We, our vision for what is better has to be greater than the fear that's going to keep me from grabbing that vision, from working towards that vision. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just had a vision for something higher for myself. Well, I feel like we can, um, you know, we're almost an hour in and we don't have time to go down this tangent, but it's interesting that sometimes we won't do something for ourselves, but we will do something for our kids. And I wonder mm-hmm. if there's like some like, weird misalignment there. Like, and, and I think it's helpful when we don't have the strength to do something for ourselves and we have, we envision a future of our kids looking at what a relationship looks like and we do it for them instead of for ourselves. But isn't there something messed up about that? Well, I think that's cultural conditioning. I think that if you, I think if you're raised, especially women, it's about other people. Mm -hmm. You take care of other people. You take your goodness, your sense of goodness comes through what you do for others and how you show for others. So it is a lot easier I, and again, I'm generalizing, stereotyping here, but that women to be able to say, like, we say this all the time. This isn't a secret. Zen Parenting Radio is about self-awareness, but the word parenting gets people to come in and listen to it. And it does affect the dynamics and the parenting situation. But really, if you listen to the show, it's, we're not talking about your kids. It's got nothing to do with <laughs> yeah, it. We're talking about yeah. you. And of course, but that word parenting gets you in because people are like, if we just called it like Zen living, maybe some people would like it, but there are certain people who are like, Ooh, parenting, I want to do that. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need this for myself, but I need this for my kids. Mm-hmm. So I think it's conditioning. And for men, 
you know, I don't want to speak for you. Like, I don't know if that's about who you want to be seen as in the world or if, you know, and again, let's just get really deep about, you know, biology or how we're hardwired. It's for connection. And so what means the most to us is our sense of belonging and our sense of connection to others. And so that we can't do it alone. So there's no way to say, I'm just going to do this for Mm. me. Yeah, it's not a vacuum. No, it's not a vacuum. Everything is inner. And that's why there's no, sometimes when I say things like, oh, and then I looked in the mirror and I thought, I'm like, oh my God, everything sounds cliche these days. You know, it's like, it's (laughs) so, there's so many deeper threads to it. Um, Well, that's so interesting because Anne-Marie and I have gone through the same coaching program and commitment number 11, I think, is am I willing to uh, source my need for approval, control, and security from the inside. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a disconnect between what we just said because really what Kathy just said and I agree with is we're human beings that need to be connected with other human beings mm-hmm. or nature or something. But commitment number 11 is all about it's all from within. But it don't isolate it them as different things. Right. There's it. They are woven together. Go ahead, Emery. What I always say is, um, Kathy, to your point, like as women and as mothers, and I can't speak to men because I'm not one, um, we um, often put our attention on taking care of others before we take care of ourselves. And what I've really come to learn and what I like to teach is if we're disconnected, look, connection, connection starts in the heart. Mm-hmm. This is all about the heart. Mm-hmm. If we're disconnected from our heart, so if I, if I can source security approval, um, you know, control, I guess. I don't really like to use the word control when I'm talking about my heart, but if I am connected in my heart, if I feel clear here, then I am fully available to connect with someone who's fully connected to their heart. Mm -hmm. Then that highway is open. But if there's anything like any traffic, anything in the way, then I'm not available to connect fully with that other person's heart. And that's what we're all seeking. We want to get the highways open between my heart and the next person's heart. And when that's clear, that is where we get connection. And that's what, when I talk about are our partners available to meet us where we are is have they cleared the runway to their heart? Are they fully open and available to receive? And in the same way, are they open and available to give because it's a two, it's the infinity loop, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that commitment, you know, can I source my own love? Can I source my own approval? I had to do all my deep work around forgiving myself for getting out of alignment with who I believe I am in the world um, by being the, you know, in a relationship with a man who was married, that was like most out of alignment for me in my life. I had to really go and forgive myself. And then it didn't matter what other people thought of me because my heart, mm-hmm. I healed myself. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I, I think that's great behavior and we should all go do that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that happened. I can't undo what happened. Now I have to be with, be with how that lands and lives in me first. And the minute I was able to forgive myself which just meant accepting that I made a choice from a place of fear because I'm human. Mm-hmm. That's all it means. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that that was a good choice or a good decision. It just meant I accept myself. I made a choice. I was afraid. I was out of my mind and I can accept myself and I can move on. And the minute I did that, 
our relationship started to free and untether because there were all these ways in which I was shaming and blaming him and me and the relationship that was creating a lack of connection because my heart wasn't open. My heart was closed, protecting myself Mm. from judging myself. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that was where my real freedom started to come. Mm -hmm. Well, we can go on and on and it's not a surprise that we got through, we didn't even get through the first topic. We kind of just touched upon it. We didn't get to the other two things. I do want to share that um, uh, Kim's uh, talk will be in the show notes. And and I want to specifically uh, invite any man to listen to that who has struggled with infidelity. That that talk is not necessarily about his infidelity. It's about his relationship with shame. And mm-hmm. I know human beings, it's not, men don't get the monopoly on shame. Uh, it's, it happens to all genders. Uh, but I think it would be particularly impactful to the guys out mm-hmm. there hearing another man speak from the heart about his relationship with shame. It's beautiful. Um, it is beautiful. Thank um, you, Todd, for being um, like the man who supports other men in um, creating safe spaces because that man, we're lacking that mm. in our world. I know. And just to like, you know, hear your story um, today, Emmerine, to realize, you know, I just don't think there's anyone who's going to, uh, well, let me say it this the other, the other way in the positive way. Everybody's going to listen to this story and find a thread of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if it be about choices, experiences, history, forgiveness, you know, there's, we, when we tell our stories, um, especially if they're really, the interesting thing is, is as a storyteller, if they're really specific and they have a lot of details in them, people relate more. Mm-hmm. Isn't that mm-hmm. interesting? Like people relate more when we, if we, when we talk in generalities, people are like, yeah, maybe. But then when we tell a really specific story, we can see ourselves really clearly. And, um, and so your, your story is really, um, you know, and it's a gift and your writing is a gift and the ever evolving nature, you know, to, I think something that's important for people who are in this world of work, those of us who write or teach or podcast or talk about these things is there is no over. Mm -hmm. It's not like Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, and then now we're good, period. Like (laughs) this is, this is like on, I really did think in my thirties though it was, I used to tell stories like, and then I learned yeah. And then now I'm great. And it's like, arrived. I have arrived and I am enlightened. And, you know, it's all, <laughs> that's just all bullshit. And, um, and the thing is, is it keeps going. Now we have better tools. We have better self-awareness. Like it doesn't mean that our history hasn't given us some, some form of strength or awareness. It just means that we keep doing it. And that is what it means to be alive. And that's a gift to share with our kids too, is that you just alive means the paradox of all of these things. You know, it doesn't alive doesn't mean always good. Like one, one thing I wanted to share about the Christmas tree thing is I saw a great, um, like meme this morning and it was like this person decorating a tree and saying, Christmas, I'm mad at you for not solving all of my problems. <laughs> you know, like Christmas comes along and we're like, Christmas is happy. Christmas will make me good or the holidays or, you know, it doesn't have to just be Christmas. It can be Hanukkah. It can be New Year's Eve. I'm happy now. And it's like that those things, you still are alive even in the yeah. midst of Christmas. Um, and before yeah. um, I invite you, Anne-Marie, to tell the listeners how to find you because Anne-Marie does a lot of different things. She has a digital parenting course. She has um, a children's book too. She has a children's book, one-on-one coaching, family coaching. But I just want to just acknowledge um, one thing that Anne-Marie did earlier in this interview that I think is interesting. Um, she felt all this energy going in through her body 
and she paused and collected herself in a way that may have even felt uncomfortable that you were not like, you know, just going without pausing. And I just, it made me think like if we as parents could check in with our body and pause before we say whatever it is that we're about to say to our kids, I think we would probably um, make our children's experience a little bit more conscious if we did that. So I just want to thank you for modeling that for us. So you're welcome. And um, I hope this is a, 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 this feels okay to you guys, but, um, and if not, you can edit it out. Um, but I offer a free check-in meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone who wants it, you can go to the, you know, go to my website and grab it. And it leads you through that process, noticing your body sensations, getting with your feelings, noticing your thoughts and just getting, it's just a presencing exercise. Um, and it's really a place to practice accepting yourself in the moment. And I think it's the most important thing I've learned in my life as a person, mm. and it has supported me as a parent and as a partner. But when I be- can become really truly present and attuned to my body, um, all, the, all this wonderful wisdom and knowing it becomes available to me. But because we live in a culture that's so heady, we're so disconnected from our bodies. And when I teach people, I do, I do whole long workshops on this practice because people don't know how to feel. They're up Mm -hmm. here going, I feel stressed. Well, that's not actually a feeling folks just saying. Mm -hmm. So um, we have been robbed of the opportunity to to remember how to feel. And this is a great gift Mm -hmm. to coming back to to yourself. And I, you know, I teach my kids that and um, yeah, Todd, I, I, thanks for noticing. And it's important to learn how to feel our bodies and get back in tune. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, how do people find out about you, Anne-Marie? Um, they can go to annemariechereso.me. That's my newest website. Um, and find lots of goodies. They're on Instagram, annemariechereso. Find me at annemariechereso. What's your dog's name? Can you hear her? Barking? Yeah, I can hear her. What's her name? <laughs> her name's Maggie. Maggie, is she an older dog or a younger dog? Yeah. She's seven. She's seven. She just, she turned seven and she's a delight. We love to have her around. Um, And And I just want to say one thing before closing. Yeah. Um, I really want to remind us all, and I remind myself this every single day, um, stop trying to parent perfectly and Mm. just parent authentically Mm -hmm. and authentically gets messy and it's okay to be messy. I think the greatest gift we can give our kids is to not try and look perfect Mm -hmm. is, is really let your kids see you be messy. It gives them permission to do the same. And they're not, then they're not afraid when they feel messy. That's, that's kind of, you know, they, not only do they get to then find a, a starting place from the messiness and say, oh, they get to not have this fear of there's something inherently wrong with me because things are messy. And that's like, you know, I, I know you probably have the same experience when you talk to kids, that's what they're afraid of. They're like, I can't share this because then everyone will know I'm messy. And it's like, oh, wait, everybody's messy. And that, that frees them to even begin the process of self-awareness. Um, Kathy, you just remind me of something. Um, when I was going through my very first divorce, um, and I was pregnant. So here I am like announcing that I'm pregnant to the world and my ex-husband is having an affair and our marriage is falling apart. And, um, I'm like, I don't, and it's Christmas and I don't know how to do all this. 
And I was in deep denial. I'm like, this is just a blip and we're going to, this is going to lead to bliss and we're going to be fine and blah, blah, blah. And that was not what happened. And I, I didn't tell a soul. Mm. I didn't tell one person for eight months mm. what was going on. I didn't tell my best friend. I didn't tell anyone mm-hmm. what was going on. And then at some point I broke and I had like, I like people would be like, how are you? I'm like, I'm great. I'm pregnant. I'm going to my third child. You know, life's great. And finally someone said, how are you doing? I go, I'm not doing so great. Mm-hmm. And here's what's going on. And the floodgates opened. Mm-hmm. And the moment I showed up authentically and were telling, told people what was really going on, all those moms at school whose lives looked just as neat as mine did on the outside. Next thing you know, my phone was ringing off the hook. Of course. And, and, and it gave, like, that was when I knew I was going to become a coach because I knew that I was the mirror that others could use mm-hmm. to fully and honestly reveal themselves. And it was a safe space. Yeah. And it was a gift. And showing up authentically is a gift to one another, even if it's messy. Yes. So beautiful. Thank you. That's a wonderful way to encapsulate this conversation. Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, All of her information will be in the show notes. Um, Happy holidays to everybody. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Zen Parenting Radio. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. Remember to register for our Zen Parenting Virtual Summit, where you will learn from 15 thought leaders and learn more about Kathy's book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering my new book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. It's our new page where you can find everything we do in one place. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.